you hear that there's going to be appraisal, you can't like begin to panic. But, but you know, especially um, entrepreneurs here and managers and those of you who will be managers shortly uh, and business owners, I want you to master the art of sowing honor into the people who are following you, who are entrusting you with their life, their time, and everything. And, and it's a great habit to have to just honor people. When you honor them, the only thing that can come out of them is honor. When I pour water into a glass, I can't drink anything other than water. When I pour honor into my staff, they will be honorable. So I want you to learn and master the art of praising people, of, of acknowledging them, of celebrating them, of appreciating them. And this moment, I really want you to, to help me look at someone next to you and praise something about them. Say something nice to them. Make sure you are not lying. Make sure you are not lying. Don't, don't lie. Don't lie. Right? Say something nice. You know, there is something nice about every single person. And, and if it's not them, it can be something they are wearing. And if it's not what they are wearing, it can just be that I'm glad that you are here seated next to me. But, but say something nice about someone. Right? And, and then if you can, just find a way to, to, to love yourself, you know? You blow yourself a kiss, you know, hug yourself if you can. Even if nobody else can hug you, just hug yourself myself, yeah? But I really want to say thank you to Pastor Idris. I mean, you couldn't have caught me at a better time. This is usually like the time of my year, the week that I just come back from my honeymoon. So I have a honeymoon every year. My whole life is, my wife and I, we live, we, we pledged to live on an eternal honeymoon. That was what we did. We actually sold ourselves. We, want, we don't ever want to come back from honeymoon. But every year, my wife and I take, take time out at our wedding anniversary, and we go somewhere nice, somewhere that is just the two of us, and the whole world can stop, and nothing matters. It doesn't, you know, sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that there was fuel price increase. My world came to a cocoon, and I was just enraptured by my wife's love. Oh, I, oh God. In fact, you know, sometimes I look at God and I say, Lord, God, God bless you. God bless you for this girl. I think she's the best birthday present I could ever have wished for. I, I, I married her on my 30th birthday. And every year, it's just been a sweeter year than the last year. And, and this year, you know what we did? We No, don't, don't be jealous, though. Let me explain to you why you should not be jealous. This is, what, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ear or no ear has heard. Neither has it come into the hearts of men what God has in store for who? No, no, no. Guys, you know that I'm a guest here. Let's do this nice and easy. Point to me and say me. No, 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 not you, me. Oh, okay, so don't say me, then say you. Right? So, so, so every time you hear something that inspires you, understand that what God has in store is bigger than that one because I have seen that one. So I have seen Fela and Tara. Ear has heard about Fela and Tara. What God has in store for you is greater than that. That's why no matter what anybody has, never let it intimidate you, let it inspire you. And every time that you see something you like about somebody, say, coming soon. You know what I mean? So when I tell you about Venice and Paris this year, what do you say? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? When I tell you about Bush and Arab last year, what do you say? When I tell you about Ghana and Gambia and all the... You know, just all... Anytime you see something you like, don't beef it. Celebrate it. You understand what I'm saying? So if you want all the men in the house that want to have a Proverbs 31 woman, that want to have a woman that is enterprising, a woman that is godly, a woman that is amazing, a woman that makes your name proud... I want all the men in the house to stand up and acknowledge God for my wife. If you want to, if you don't want that kind of woman, it's okay. Sit down. Don't, don't worry yourself. Don't worry yourself. Don't worry yourself. If you want it, if you want it. And if there are some ladies here who would love their husbands to love them the way that this guy is, is, too, is just amazingly in love with his wife who 15 years later is still tripping as if it's the same day that he married her. I didn't have to even tell the ladies what to do. May your husband be continually enraptured by your love. Encapsulated. May he not be able to look outside. You know what I mean? That love is good though. And you know they say God is love? So love is good. Because God is good. All the time. And you know, coming out of this amazing journey with my wife, I've had many kids. Three of her, from her, but many. Many, many. Many, many people that she has allowed me to bring into my world, into my home, into my space. And she has loved them with me, even like as though they were mine. And you know, I always call... I have two of my sons here. The first one I always call my first son, okay? Um, because really, um, and, I, and I say this in a way that is not as though to, 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 I practiced a lot with him on how to be a good father. He taught me how to be a father because he was and has always been a really good son. And I always say that he is, truly is a son in whom I am so well pleased. Many of you know him as a Many of you know him as an amazing speaker. I just know him as a loving son. Harris, Steve, Steve Harris, please. You know, amazing. No, 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 no. That's not how you're going to clap for my son. Otherwise, this microphone is going down. And he has with him his junior brother, you know, whom he is well pleased in. You know, um, he's the third and the last of Tara's biological children. You know, there's a difference between third and last. When you're expecting more, you can say third. When you know that there's no further movement, you say last. So he's our last biological son, in Jesus' name. And if you would please help me honor Morola Oluwa. Uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share with you on growing in influence. Um, I think the way I want to do this, if I can, and I'll try to make it as, as succinct as possible, is I want to take it in four parts, all right? So for those of you who are writing, I'm going to be talking, or we'll try to discover together what, what is influence. And I don't want it to be me just talking at you. I want us to have a really great conversation together. And then I want to talk about why is influence important? Why is it important that Christians have influence? And then the next one is, how do I grow in influence? 
right? How do I grow in influence? And the last thing that I would like to talk about is what must I do every day starting today? And I can't give you everything, but I would probably give you some, just a few things to remember. And what I want you to do is, I need you to do something very special for me. I need you to dedicate one page to what I call a parking lot. And what I mean by a parking lot is that, in a sense, everything that will change in your life is going to be tied to four things. Number one, what you start doing that you were not doing before. Number two, what you were doing before that you discovered through the course of this particular conversation is not helpful, therefore you stop doing it. And then there are certain things that you're doing that are good and would help you to grow in influence, but you just need to do it more to grow. So more. And then there are certain things you can't stop, but they are detractors. They are, they are speed bumps. You just want to do them a bit less. Okay? Um, I talked to you about the fact that, you know, it was my wedding anniversary and my birthday. And... and um, Last year, I was 44, so this year I'm 45, yeah? And one of the things that I asked God for on my last birthday was that I wanted to have the kind of body that I was going to be proud of. Now, somehow, over time, the word had become flesh. Somebody said to me, when I told him the word has become flesh, he said, in fact, you are full gospel. And somehow, you know, I remember starting out my business, I looked like a senior consultant from Philips Consulting. And to be able to get to the point where I looked like a business owner, um, I, I decided that I wanted to put on something called executive charisma. So I deliberately started to chop up so that I could beef up. So that when I stand with all these other bank MDs and I'm their consultant, they won't be looking down on me as, who is this small boy? But apparently I, I did it so well. I did a great job, you know what I mean? And I got to a point where I, I wasn't really looking like an MD, I was looking like a, a chairman. <laughs> a big, massive tomac and all of those kind of things. And many people may not even have noticed it because I, I had a way of trying to hide those things with my, with my jackets. You could almost never see me dressed like this. I always wore a jacket to hide the goodness of the Lord <laughs> in the land of the living. But last year, one of the things I told God that I wanted more than anything else was that I needed to put my body back in shape. It's very interesting that even at the beginning of last year, most people don't know this. So Ebony Life um, TV had asked me to come and start a television program. And I continued to dribble and dribble and dribble Moabudu. And she couldn't understand what was wrong with me because she thought this was what I needed. And I did need it. But I was so ashamed of my body that I didn't want to go on air looking the way I looked. So, it, so you guys can understand how, how important that was to me. And to cut the long story short, I decided that I needed to do something about it, that I wanted to change. I wanted to, I had seen myself in the spirit, and I was this, this you know, buffy but lean, mean guy. You know what I mean? And, and so in the end, I asked God at my last birthday for a birthday present that I wanted to have the body of my dreams. And to cut the very long story short, I was 92 kg. And when change was going to come, God gave me grace, but I had to start some things. I had to stop some things. I had to do more of some things. 
and I had to do less of certain things. And so one of the things that I had to start doing was I needed to start at that time drinking tea. I never drank hot things, but I needed to flush my stomach because we found out that hot water helps to move your bowels. Okay? What did I stop? This one is tougher for most people. I had to stop carbohydrates. So since last year, August, I have not tasted rice. <laughs> Only by grace. Only by grace. I found out also that it doesn't seem like food seems to be finishing in our house anymore. <laughs> so apparently I was the one that was eating it all. I stopped sugar. I've not eaten a piece of meat since last August. Right? So no, 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 no rice, no carbohydrates, no yam, no, no pounded yam, no gari, no eba. What do I eat? Good. So I eat fish, I eat salads, and I eat fruits and nuts. And I thought that it was going to be impossible until I discovered really just how awesome life can be when you are light and mean. And you, you say, I fly up the stairs. I don't run up the stairs. I don't, I don't walk up the stairs. I fly. I'm stronger than I've ever been. And then on top of it all, this year, when I took Tara to, to our wedding anniversary dinner, the, 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 the waiter said to us that he, had, he heard that it was our wedding anniversary, and he was asking me, is this your first wedding anniversary? Because <laughs> I've knocked off about 10 years from, the, from my looks just by bringing about change. Now, understand, I wanted the change. God gave me grace when I prayed, but that grace had to translate into start, stop, more, and less. So what did I do more of? More exercises. I dedicated my mornings to swimming. Okay? But for those of you who can't swim, don't worry about what you can't do. Worry about what you can do. You can take more steps. Don't climb the lift all the time. Walk up the stairs. All right? And then what did I do less of? I took less portions. So I take less portions of things. And some of you are naturally blessed with a lean, mean body because you are 28. Wait until you are 45. Then you will appreciate what I'm teaching you. But this is the bit, bottom line. Change comes in four lanes. Start, stop, more, less. I need you to dedicate a sheet of paper to start things you want to start doing. On that same sheet of paper, dedicate a section to stop. So whenever you are hearing ideas, and some of you have already picked ideas from what I just said now, but go and pack all those ideas, things you want to implement on one page. Does that make sense to you? Uh, uh, am I still here? Yeah. Are you sure I'm still here? Yeah. All right. So to be able to start our conversation on, on influence, I'm going to, and maybe the last thing I want to say is that I'm, I'm going to try and wrap up this conversation as quickly as I can so that I can actually bring on stage um, Pastor ID, ID, Pastor Idris, and Steve Harris, and we can take a few questions before we leave, so we make it as practical as possible. So I'm going to try and rush this, and then save some of the best conversations for, for the one we have together. Is that, does that work out for you? Are you sure it works out? Okay, good. So I want to start off our conversation with a video, and I think that when we look at that video, we'll talk about it for a few minutes and say, and, and talk about influence and all of that, okay? So if um, mo the media team is ready, I'll be happy.
सर आपके लिए उस पार कार का इंतजाम किया है सर ये चल चल They already cutting deals on that on that train. As if things weren't bad enough. Now it starts to rain. That's the, that's the fewest amount of applause I've ever had for this video. <laughs> is there any other microphone that is working? Otherwise, I'll have to come down and... Uh, is, is, is that okay? Is there anybody that would like to show us something that you got as to relating it to influence, for instance? Um, can I first of all start by asking who was the most influential person in that video? The boy. Okay, so so we agree that he had influence. Now, can you can you take that one step forward? Not too long. Keep it short so that we can I can also get out of here quickly and we can have our conversation. But this is part of the conversation. Anybody want to share what what did you see and about influence and and yes, please. I I see something here. Good boy. God bless you. Eh? Um. Amazing. Okay. Just to let you guys know that we show these videos in about 300 schools across Nigeria where we're teaching children, parents, and teachers on values, and they're driving those values in. And it's amazing how even children at the age of five can draw stuff that will cause your jaw to drop. Just lessons they can get from that video. It's one of the very best videos I've ever seen. Go ahead. Tell us your name, please. Is it working? Can you take this one? Okay, the, the sword. Huh? My name is Ifai Ewine. Yes, if Ifai. Yes. Okay. What did you What did you learn from that? 
Influence can lead to lots of things. Influence can lead to a lot of things. Like what? Like if you are having troubles and you think it will get worse, people can help you with anything. You people can help you. Amazing. Somebody give him a standing ovation. Let this be the first standing ovation that he would get. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ifaim. Thank you so much. Out of the mouth of babes. God has ordained amazing wisdom and praise. Okay. Who's next? Talk. Yeah? I can't see everybody because the lights are shining in my eyes. But we probably can take only about, let me say, two guys, two ladies, if there's a possibility. Okay? Yeah. Um, can you tell us your name just so that people know you? My name is Charles. Charles, yeah. Uh, to influence people to do the right thing, mm -hmm. the little boy didn't have to complain. He just started doing something. So he didn't have to complain. He didn't say, oh, what kind of situation is this? Which kind of, who are the people that cut this tree? Government is not doing their work. They should have come to move the tree by now. No, 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 no. He just started doing something. And that was how he influenced. So obviously what you're saying to me is that complaints don't influence others. How many people have ever noticed that before? That complaints don't change situation, right? I was going from, uh, from Kano to Kaduna one day, and there was a particular program that lasted for about 48 minutes. And the program was, what is the problem with FIFA? NF, sorry, with NFA. And people were calling in, and everybody was talking about the problem. And another person would call and say, the last man does not know anything. <laughs> the problem with NFA started since the time of Omeroa. And they went on for 48 minutes talking about the problem with NFA. And at the end of 48 minutes, the moderator said, I want to really say thank you to all those who have contributed to our analysis of the problem with NFA. I said, please join us this time next week as we look at another problem and analyze it. <laughs> I was screaming in the car like I was hoping they could hear me. You know, the analysis of a problem does not solve the problem. We know the problem. How many people can contribute to the solution? Okay? Contribute to the solution. Who else is there? Yes, ma'am. Okay? Um, my name is Chine. Um, the little boy kept pushing, <laughs> even when... It was obvious that nothing was happening, mm -hmm. but he just kept pushing. He kept pushing, and he was consistent. He was just pushing. So do you influence people by making an attempt, or you influence people by just staying consistent? You have to be consistent. So most times, you will never really be able to influence people by just something you tried to do. It's what you keep doing that influences others. Consistency is what produces that key influence in your life. So one of the things you're going to have to ask people when you're thinking of where do I want to influence is what can I do and do consistently? Because that's where your influence is going to come. And one of the reasons why that happens is because of this thing called authenticity. Every time you start trying to do something, people can't be sure if you're authentic or not. They don't follow you until they know you're authentic. If you're not for real, nobody's going to follow you on it. So, so, so don't try and because it's not working, think, you know, let me leave it alone. If you try and it's not working, keep at it. When you keep at it, one day you'll find out that enough people, like if I said, will join you and together you'll be able to make a difference. I just want to take the last person. Um, 
sorry, am I seeing anybody on that side? Let me take one lady on that side so that I can take at least one person. Uh, is anybody learning something from here? Okay, okay. Good morning, church. Good My morning. name is Jeanette. Mm -hmm. I learned two things from this video. Mm. First of all, if you face the obstacles of life, whenever you face the obstacles of life, you don't run away from them. Mm -hmm. You face them, you don't procrastinate, and you act fast. Mm -hmm. You act immediately. Mm -hmm. Second, for you to be influential, it doesn't matter your age ah, or your position. Amazing. You can be the um, security guard in your office. You, you don't have to say, I'm the security guard, so the MD might not listen to me. I've heard a story where a security guard was promoted to, to head a unit just because of an idea he suggested. So for you to be influential, it doesn't matter your age. He's a little boy of about six or seven thereabouts. He didn't have to think, oh, I'm, I'm still small. So age doesn't matter. Your position doesn't matter. Just do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please put your hands together. I, I don't know whether you can look at someone next to you and just say to them, you're not too young to be influential. You're not too old to be influential. Okay? You're not too poor to be influential. You're not too rich to be influential. You're not too low to be influential. You're not too high to be influential. Influence is not about age. It's not about status. It's not about money. It's not about position. Yes, some of those things can be tools in the hands of people who have influence. But most times, influence is never really about those things. Let me take the last person. And if you don't mind, um, I'll take the last person and then I'll take one more. Let me take you, sir. Sorry. Please don't, please. Don't. Uh, we, uh, if you don't mind, put something down so that when we're having a conversation, we can talk about it. Good morning, everybody. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Bam Dele. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed from the video that uh, if you're trying to start something new or you're trying to change something, mm -hmm. it can get more difficult at the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, referring to the rain that started falling. Yes. Because if the boy went under the shade when yes. it started raining, everybody would have stayed back. Amazing. 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 Thank you very much. Put your hands together for him, please. And then let me do one last one, just because I'm the one that brought the mic. I'm holding the microphone now. Morola would like to say something, so let's see whether Morola can, can throw in something. He's been, he's been blessing us all day, Harris and I. Another thing would you like to introduce yourself? Okay. I know. Good morning, church. My name is Morola Falabiotori. So another thing that I realized was that you could do something but you cannot, but sometimes you don't do it right. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the child, he was trying to do something. He could have just said, oh, let me just ask someone to help me and just push it away. And instead of thinking that, oh, maybe we should do it and we can all do it right. So, and then another thing I just thought of was that if you see the Nike logo, um, the Nike, um, logo yes. it's a tick yeah then the motto is just do it <laughs> so if you didn't realize when they say just do it plus the tick tick means right yeah. so just do it right Ooh! <laughs> can you guys see where i i'll just come i'll come and quote these guys now you people say fella is such an amazing speaker you guys don't know who my coaches are uh, please put your hands together for morola just do it right just do it right. Just do it right. So that we can bring, you know, quickly accelerate this, this conversation to, to the point where I can bring the other guys in. I ask myself, what is influence? Because we've talked about what we saw and what we learned.
But what is influence? And, you know, of course, it's always nice to be, at least be able to go through uh, the dictionary sometimes to look at a word that has a meaning and say, what does it mean? But practically, there are two things that I would like to give you as a definition of influence. The first is really from the, from the dictionary. The dictionary defines influence as the ability, if you're writing this, is a very good thing to write, the ability to alter or sway an individual or group's thoughts, beliefs, or actions. Okay? Influence is the ability to alter or sway a person or a group's thoughts, beliefs, and actions. So, the, in November 1884, 27 people gathered into a hotel in Berlin. And in three months, they had put up on a wall a map that today we call the map of Africa. And by February 1885, these guys came out, 27 guys, came out of a room. And within 30 years, they had colonized and changed the culture of a continent, not a city, not a country, not a county, a continent that they were not born on. And you know, many times when I think about that whole process, I always say to myself, what made these guys believe that it was possible? 27 guys from France, from Germany, from Britain, from Italy, and a few places like that. 27 guys took over a continent. And guess what happened? Before you knew it, you and I started putting on jackets in the heat with tie, sweating, and thinking that that is well-dressed. That's influence, guys. We started wearing heels that make our yam pay us and grow. And as painful as it is, we started thinking that that, that is the right way to do things. You know? You know what I mean. And right now, guess what? People are actually now wearing, sorry, I don't know whether it's wearing or half wearing is what you call it. These see-through things that they call clothing. And, you know, Bishop Oedepo said something that, that was amazing. He said when he was growing up, only mad men had their clothes torn. But today, somebody will buy clothes and tear it. Because some other guy called Kanye West says it's cool to do so. I don't know whether you get what I'm trying to say. Influence is the ability to alter or change the way people think, the way they believe, and the way they behave. I like to call it behold, believe, behave. The ability to alter the way people behold, the way they believe, and the way they behave. So my question is, if I try to throw that challenge at you and say, who have you changed the way they think? Who have you changed the way they believe and the way they behave? And I want to share with you a few things that will help you. You know, it's amazing how important it is. Influence is also 
the ability to determine outcomes and results. I think it's very important you note that. Influence is also the ability to determine outcomes and results. In other words, the outcome of a situation will probably be the way it is until an influencer shows up. Once an influencer shows up, they have the capacity to change the situation, the results, the outcomes. The way people believe what they would have done. And so basically, let me give you an example. Sometime I believe in 2003 or so, a lady went on a TV show that she was running and said that she was no longer going to eat beef. Beef Association producers uh, or Beef Producers Association in the United States sued this lady because in two weeks they had lost $12 million. Some of you know who I'm talking about. What's her name? Oprah. And when the case was going to be thrown out of court because Oprah's lawyer says Oprah has the right and the freedom of expression to say she's not going to eat beef. And the, 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 the plaintiff or the prosecutor on their side said, no, 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 no. Oprah can't say she will not eat beef. If she doesn't eat beef, it's a different ballgame, but she can't say it. They said, why can't she say it? He said, because Oprah should know that if she says it, she's going to influence over 28 million women who buy beef. So there are some people who, listen, they, you know, they always say that men talk about the gospel according to St. Oprah. Just being so influential that they can, whatever they do, other people do. They don't even have to say it. And then speak less of when they speak. As at this morning, Oprah had 32.5 million Twitter followers. 32. She tweets something and presses send. 32.5 million people are going to see it. Not to talk about the people who retweet it. Talk about the loud, loud voice on Twitter. And then, of course, you guys know how for many years it was believed especially by the blacks, that it was never going to be possible to have a black man in a white house until one guy showed up. In 2004, when Barack Obama was introduced at the National Democratic Convention, you know, where John Kerry was running, uh, one guy who had made his living by speaking to everybody that was important, his name is Larry King, didn't even know who was being introduced. Uh, and he didn't pay any attention. It was when Barack Obama started to speak that Larry King lifted up his head and said, who is that? And he said, his name is Barack Obama. He said, what kind of name is that? It sounds like Iraq and Osama. That was in 2004. Larry King did not know who Barack Obama was. Within three years... Obama had become the most influential man, literally, in the United States. And by 2008, January, Obama was the president of the United States. Today, he has 75 million Twitters on follower, uh, followers on Twitter. 
But you would think that it's about status, maybe, or platforms. But do you guys know the most influential person on Twitter? His followers have a name. They are called believers. He's a young boy. Many of you know him. His name is Justin Bieber. As at this morning, he has 81.7 million followers on Twitter. Justin Bieber went to South Africa on a weekday to, to host or to have a show in Cape Town on a Wednesday. On Thursday morning, the Ministry of Education of South Africa noted that they had only 23% attendance in schools, primary and secondary schools. Children from all over the place went there. The, 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 the stadium has a capacity of 87,000 and they had to turn children back that came from all over the world. I, I mean, literally, they came, even some of them from, from uh, uh, as much as um, Zimbabwe and all of those kind of things, just to see Justin Bieber. Whilst Barack Obama was running his election, there was a story about how a gentleman, you know, he went to, to eat at a delicacy. He was not yet president. Went to eat at a delicacy, and cut the long story short, you know, as you can see, he's a very lean guy. He doesn't eat much. They gave him this, this plate of food, had two poached eggs, two sausages, and two toasts, two slices of toast. Barack Obama ate one egg, one sausage, and one toast and said thank you, paid for his meal, and they were going. The lady who had come to clear it up had a light bulb moment and said, wow, this is Barack Obama's rubbish. So she puts a transparent, clean film on it and cut the long story short. She takes a picture and places it on eBay. As at 7 o'clock, which is about 2 p.m. in the U.S., Richard Quest broke news that that particular rubbish, plate of rubbish, was already at the highest auction bidder was paying $103,000 to eat the rubbish of Barack Obama. And he was not yet president. I, I, I don't know whether you can help me ask the person next to you, what's your rubbish worth? So this, these are influencers. People who have a capacity to be able to change the way people think, the way people talk, the way people act. Obafemi Awolowo was trying in 1948, 1954, sorry, to raise money for free education. And to cut the long story short, he found that there was a two o'clock tea break that all civil servants were entitled to. Tea, two o'clock in Africa. You can imagine there was no AC at that time. So Bafemi Awolo said, Yuraka, I have found the money for free education. Bafemi Awolo takes, wants to divert the money from tea to education for the children of the people who were drinking the tea. And they threatened to go on strike. Because somebody had told them that tea is such an important thing. Because that's how they do it in the UK. Now, 
Why am I telling you all of these things? Because look, the concept of influence was first found in the Bible. In the Bible, you'll see stories littered with men and women of influence. In fact, the whole point of the Bible is to help us know who we are and how influential we are. So even from Genesis chapter 1, man was designed to influence. Says God said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness and let man have influence over the earth. Dominion. Capacity to determine outcomes. So the man that God created was designed for influence. If you are not influencing your world, you are underperforming on, on what God desired and what he intended. And the Bible is filled with stories. Adam. Remember? God said, whatever Adam called the animals, that's what they were, influence. Now, that's not all. Look at Abraham. Abraham negotiated with God. God was going to wipe out a city. God said, no, you know what? I cannot hide what I'm about to do from a guy called Abraham. And Abraham started to negotiate with God until he got his, his, his cousin or his, you know, his nephew out. So, without Abraham, God would have just wiped off. Lot would have been gone. There would be no Lot. But because of Abraham, he was able to influence God. But one of the most amazing things about that particular scripture was that the Bible says, after the men had gone, Abraham stood before the Lord. So, he was having a conversation with God even when the other angels had departed. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. Another person, Moses, remember? Moses was able to come from exile and influence, first of all, the Israelites, who he did not know and did not really know him as anything else other than the child of, of, of Pharaoh. And so he had to, first of all, influence them to believing that they should follow him. Then he had to go and influence Pharaoh to be able to release the people. But that's another influence story. No, no Moses. Probably they would still have been there. But Moses came in and the outcome changed after 400 years. But that's not all. You've seen here people influencing animals. That's Adam. You've seen people influencing nations and God in itself. But then you can actually see also in the Bible how people can influence even the sun, the moon, and the stars. The earthly elements. So Joshua, for instance was able to stop the sun from moving and the moon just to accomplish the work and the assignment that he was on. And listen, don't forget that these guys that were shown to us in the scriptures were not shown to us so that we can say, oh, oh my God, look at such great prowess those guys have. No! They were given to us so that we can have an example of what we can do and what we can be. And just in case you don't believe, let me give you a very true story. Some of you may remember that a few, a few weeks ago, um, House on the Rock had the word conference. And at that word conference, uh, Bishop David Abioye came and spoke. Now, my son, Demilade, my second son, or middle son, was at home watching by, by TV, live streaming. 
And so by the time I arrived from church, I, you know, I got back home and, the, and he came and he hugged me. And I said, hey, hi, Dim Dim. And he says, no, my name is not Dim Dim. I said, okay. Uh, what is your name? He said, you can call me Muffy. I'm like, Muffy? Where did you get Muffy from? He said, Muffy is the funky name for Muff. I said, what's Muff? He said, man of faith. I said, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, hi, Muffy. He said, Dad, you know, did you hear that message? That message was awesome. Now, my faith is strong and I can't do anything. I said, oh, it's great. True. You can move mountains. You can do everything. He said, in fact, Daddy, I have all, I've told God that to test my faith tonight, I've told God that it must rain tonight. Ah. <laughs> now, I don't know where to start the conversation. Whether to begin to tell him that, hey, you know, you must not test the Lord your God. <laughs> because there was no sign. It had not rained for days. There was not a cloud in the sky. No sign of Jack. So I'm thinking, gosh, this small boy, his first attempt at faith is about to be dashed because he had faith without knowledge or something like that. You know, that kind of... And, and boldly, he just went to his... I'm going to bed now. But Daddy, watch out. Make... If you have, you know, I'm, I'm sure before tomorrow morning it's going to rain. And he walked off. So I went, seriously, I went to my bed and I said, God, please help me and help him. <laughs> because you see, I can't afford to father this boy who will, whose faith will be broken. You know, I don't know what to say. But for his sake, I don't know what you have to do. I couldn't even tell God that you should let it rain. <laughs> so I thought I was too smart for that. I had not gotten off my knees, ladies and gentlemen, when I started to hear, I thought it was a joke. I looked out my window, and all of a sudden, the trees in my garden were moving, swaying to the wind. I thought, this can't be. I'm coming from, I'm just coming from outside. There was not a single cloud. I run out of my room into the sitting room. By the time I get to the sitting room, the rain had started. So I ran to Demilade's bed. He had just gotten into bed. And I called him, Demilade, 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 come, 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 come. Demilade comes into the sitting I said, it's raining. Then he starts shaking. It can't be, daddy. It can't be, daddy. <laughs> the next day, I'm speaking to the entire executive team of Airtel. And they're having a retreat, so they asked me to come and speak to them, set the frame of their mind and all of that. And we're talking about how some people are thermometers. They reflect whatever is happening on the outside. But that there are some people that are thermostats who change what is going on outside. And I said, and I gave them the story of Demilade. I asked them, did anybody see a cloud last night? And everybody said no. I said, well, maybe you don't understand. One boy's faith moved God to pour out rain on 21 million people. One boy's faith moved God to pour out rain on 21 million people. And I don't know whether that rain went as far as even Ogun State. Because it was an amazing rain. This is where I'm going, guys. The capacity for you to influence the element still exists today as it was in the time of Joshua. 
The same faith Joshua had is the same faith that is required and is not much more than what you have. So my next question is, why is it important that Christians have influence? Why is it important? Well, because we are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its taste, such great amazing disaster. Because we are the light of the world. So answer number one, why you need to have influence is because you were designed to bring about change into your world. You are not sent here to live on earth. You are sent here to die on earth. And to die bringing about change. I want you to remember that. I was created to bring about change. If everything remains the same way as it is that I met it when I'm leaving, then I have been nothing but a waste of time. My purpose is to bring about change. I, please, can you say that with me? My purpose is to bring about change. You have to understand this. You have to understand this. God doesn't need you to praise him. If you don't praise him, he will raise stones. There are 100 trillion, by the mathematics in the Bible, 100 trillion angels that are worshipping him. You are, God is not the beneficiary of your worship. You are. The purpose for which God sent you to the earth was not so that you could come and praise him. In fact, the Bible records in Ephesians is that you will be to his praise, not that you will praise. Meaning that people will see the works of your hands. That, that you know, he says, let your light so shine. That's how Jesus said it. Did, Jesus didn't say, let your light so shine. He said, let your light so shine. That men will see the quality of your work and not be able to praise you. People are supposed to encounter God through you. And God is light. The earth is a place of darkness. When I come in, I'm not supposed to be terrified by darkness. I am the light up of the world. Tell the person next to you, you are here to bring about change. So you must have the capacity to influence darkness. You must have capacity to bring about a flavor. Without your flavor, without your, your change, without your influence, the earth remains the same. And that's sad. The second thing is that influence is leadership. And leadership is influence. I think it was John Maxwell that says, that said something like, leadership is influence, end of story. <laughs> so what is leadership? Leadership is the ability to inspire willing and conscious followership. The ability to just make people want to follow you. Not force them to, but just inspire them to want to follow you. And it's very interesting, this concept of leadership, because I believe that leadership is the most important skill required for evangelism. Hey, fella, where did you hear that one again? What did Jesus say on his first evangelical mission? What did he say to Peter on the boat? 
So what was Jesus demonstrating? I believe very strongly that the ability to inspire followership, which is evangelism, is the biggest, most important thing that Christians should do. And the truth about it is that today, not many Christians are leading. Therefore, there are Christians, but we don't have a righteous community. And because we are not influencing our society, unbelievers are not seeing any benefit in becoming Christians. Let me ask you a question, and, and I'm sorry if it hurts you, but please forgive me. I'm saying this in advance. How many people followed you to church today? Should somebody not have found something in you over the, this past week that will cause them to say, wherever your secret is, I'll follow you? How many people are looking at your business and saying, oh my God, whatever this person's secret is, How many people have decided to become saved because a Christian did well in politics? How many bank MDs do you know that are really, really making the waves that are Christians? How many do you know? How many MDs of telecoms companies, insurance companies do you know that are real Christians? How many industries do you know anybody that is a real Christian that is the one leading it? Don't you understand? When Christians don't lead, they don't influence. When they don't influence, they can't bring about change. When they don't bring about change, other people are not inspired to follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. My question is, are you worth following? Ask the person next to you. What's your, Twitter, what's your Twitter followership? <laughs> and that's a joke, you know that. But I want to put in a little ouch in that statement because, you know, we really need to wake up and begin to say, how do we how do, we do this? Somebody asked me a few days ago, he said, you know, FD, I was sitting down with some guys and was trying to figure out what is it about you that, you know, we, there was about three or four speakers were... were, were we're speaking, and you know, and we're talking about you, especially this time that everybody was, was kind of like talking about you on, about your birthday. And, and they said, you know, the honest truth is that we don't even know what it is that he says. What does he say? He doesn't speak for now. My son speaks beautiful for now. But me, I don't speak. He, what is it that he says that causes people to respond to him so much? One person said to me, and this was Tara actually. Tara said to me, you know, this is, this is insane. She said, you've got only three posts on Instagram and you have 18,000 followers. And you've posted only three things. One of those three things, Tara posted herself. <laughs> Does anybody understand where I'm coming from? So what is it that makes people become people of influence. It's not, and every time they're having this social media week, they always come and meet me and say, fella, please, you know, they tell us what is it that makes people grow. Just teach us what it is that you are doing. How do you get 267,000 fans on Facebook? How do you get this? And I say to them, honestly, I don't know, but I have an idea. And I'll give you what my idea is in a few minutes. Number one, so this is basically, how do I grow my influence here? When I look into the Bible, I see two things. 
two people who had a similar experience, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The first one in the Old Testament is 1 Samuel chapter 2, chapter 2 and verse 36. Are you there? 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 36. Um, 26, sorry. 1 Samuel 2 and 26. And it's like almost as if cut and paste with Luke chapter 2 and 52. So I want you to write down 1 Samuel 2, 26 and Luke 2, 52. And if you go and look at it, it's the same scripture. I don't know whether they could have pulled it up for us, you know, if they had the ability to do it quickly. But it was extremely interesting. So let's look at this. And the child Samuel grew in stature and also in what? Favor, both with the Lord and men. So you see, he grew in stature. And as he was growing in stature, he grew in favor and also favor with God. And that gave him favor with. So you realize, can we say together, favor with God? gives you favor with man. Do you understand that? Let's do it again. Favor with God gives you favor with man. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Luke 2, 52. Are you there? Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. God and men. So you see here that this is this whole concept of favor with God and man is not something that is restricted to one, whether it is New Testament or Old Testament. You see first Samuel, then Jesus, and both of them, when they increased in favor with God, also increased in favor with men. In fact, I love the way that God puts it in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1. Please see if we can help me with this as fast as possible. Proverbs 21 and 1. And here you see that the Bible says the capacity to influence men is in the hands of God. Now look at it. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Is it possible for you to get me the NIV? Because I think that, if you have it, do you have it? If you don't have it, let me know. Does anybody have an NIV here? If you have NIV version, is it there? Is that NIV? No, don't worry. I, I need somebody to please show me the NIV version. It's amazing. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. Um, there is one that says, please come. Yeah. In the Lord's hands... The king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. So it's not just an issue of wherever God pleases. No, it's that if you please God, he will channel the heart of men towards you. Bang, bang, hit it, that's it. That is the key, that's the master key. That men will follow you the moment you please God. And the moment you please God, God will cause their hearts to come towards you. Whether you post on Twitter or you don't post on Twitter. Whether you post on Instagram or you don't post on Instagram. If your heart can cause God to be pleased, then God will direct people to favor you. So the next question, if you're going to ask that, has to be, what must I do to please God? 
if by pleasing God, I will have the capacity through God to capture the hearts of men, then what must I do to please God? And I'm just going to give you four quick things. Four, very simple. Write it down. Number one, faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Flip that on its head. What does it become? With faith, you are guaranteed to please God. Does that make sense? Do you, oh, sorry, have I lost you? So the first thing that brings pleasure, God's pleasure, is faith. Somebody shout, let me hear you say faith. Say, my faith pleases God. When I please God, he directs the heart of kings in my favor. Do you get it? Are you sure you got that? Say with me, my faith pleases God. Now, the good thing about it is that every man has been given a measure of faith. He didn't say with great faith. The faith you have is enough to please God. If you would only do a few other things with it. Number two thing that causes God to be pleased. I want you to please turn with me to Psalm 147 and verse 11. Psalm 147 and verse 11. Let's do this quickly please. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those who hope in his mercy. And I think that if you look at all the scriptures, you will probably even see it this way. It says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who honor him. In those who worship him. So, honor and worship pleases God. So, how does faith come? By hearing. You remember that? So, when faith comes into your heart because you heard God, and you take the word of God as master key, as what I have to do. Not what will be nice to do. How many people here got a word from God before they put in their CV into where they were working? How many people here got a word from God to determine where they were going to live? God is saying, I, I am pleased with the people who will do nothing until I speak. I am pleased with people who will do absolutely nothing. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, I do nothing except that which I see my father do in heaven. Joseph had favor. You remember that? And the Bible says, when Potiphar's wife came to say, come on, let's get it going on. Joseph said, I cannot do this because I fear God. Forget your husband. My fear for God is too much for me to do this. When I just got married, one day God had inspired me to say to me, there were three things that are destroyers of greatness. He said, power, money, and sex. And the way he said it is the love, for, the love of money, the quest for power, and he said, the lust for sex. Now, God will never use lust except outside the marital union. And, 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 and he said to me, my son, I want you to make me a covenant. And basically what he did with that was that he asked me to stand. And, and, and I had to invite a friend of mine into the room. And he said to me to make him a covenant that if I ever try to sleep with another woman apart from my wife, Tara, that I will die before I can penetrate. 
And then I made him that covenant in the presence of my friends, stark naked. And I took anointing oil and covered my entire body as a seal of that covenant. And just as God was basically beginning to say, um, I think my time is up. <laughs> Got two more quickly, thanks to God. And as God was saying, was about to leave, I, I, I told God that, you know, Lord, I want you to do something for me. He said, what is it? I said, I want you to make that covenant irrevocable so that just in case the devil convinced me that I should do it, that you will forgive me. By my request, you cannot. Now, this is what I want. I don't want you to not forgive me. Make it impossible for me to do it. So before I do it, take me home. Take me home. One day, Tara was hanging out with some women, you know, society women, and, and they were talking, and, and one of them said, oh, where's your husband? said, he has traveled. And she said, huh. I hope you take care of him before when he's going out so that you know that. You know, the lady said, you know that men are dogs. All men are dogs. Tara said, not my husband. Ah, she said, you have, how many years have you been married? Tara said, two years. She said, hey, he, you have just started. Oshebere. You will soon know. Tara said, no, auntie, it is not because of me that my husband will not sleep around. It's because of the fear of his God. The fear of the Lord inspires God to just take pleasure in you. I was at the traffic light a few, a few months ago. And it was on a Sunday. And legally, the traffic light had showed stop. And I stopped and there was no other car passing by. The lady who was driving behind me in a Jeep was so angry. She was blasting her horn. Blasting her horn. And finally, when the, the, the light turned green, I drove onto I just said, I do. And the lady came beside me in her anger, wound down her, her this. And she was driving a Lexus Jeep, somebody who Nigeria had been good to. <laughs> I don't know whether she was good to Nigeria, but I know that Nigeria has been good to her. And she wound down her car and was saying to me, she didn't know whether I was Yoruba, whether I was Ibo. She said, Were Nyeo, Were. <laughs> As she was driving. You know, the interesting thing was why she was so angry winding down, she had wound down the back glass too. And there were two young girls, beautiful girls. One, I think, was about eight, another about five. And they were peeping their head out to see this madman who had stopped at a red light. You see, she had just taken her children through their first driving lesson that says, if you ever stop at a red light, you are mad. And she doesn't understand that it's not the fear of being caught that makes me not break the law. What makes me not break the law is the fear of God, the love for the land, and the respect for the law. These are the three things that guide me. Most people don't know that I'm a police officer. Last year, I went through the police training school, right? So I'm a police, as in, I'm a, I need to show you my picture. I'm a police officer with ID card. Yes. So there's nobody that can arrest me for driving past. But why am I not doing it? The fear of God, the love for the land and the respect for the people. Let me quickly just wrap these two other things up and, and I think we'll be done. Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 35 verse 27. You know, I thought I would be able to do this in such a short time. But the Bible says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. So look at the nature of those kind of people. They favor the cause of God. But that's not all. And let them say continually, 
Let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? Now, understand this. What else gives God pleasure? Success. Prosperity. That whatever he told you to do, you have done it and you have done it exceedingly well. God loves it when you hear a word and instruction. Faith generates that comes with the word. And with that faith, you take action and you execute with excellence. Nothing blows God's mind more than that. So that men will see the work of your hands and not be able to praise you because it was not your inspiration. They will say this is out of this world. So they will praise God. Do you see the link? You hear the word. You believe it in your heart, which is faith. And then you execute with excellence and prosper at it. Nothing blows God's mind like that. A few years ago, 2005, the results for the NECO exams had just come out. And for the first time in the history of Nigeria, 84% of the students that sat for NECO failed. 1,018,000 students sat for NECO. 869,000 of them did not pass. And you know, I heard God say to me as I was closing the newspaper, I just said, Omashio, and God said to me, they are not numbers. They are not a statistic. Think of it as 860,000 dreams that have just been shattered. And I started crying. And as I was crying, God said to me, my son, why are you crying at a problem I have created you to solve? I said, what? Lord, I don't know anything about education. What do I do? And God called me into a room. And in three days, I did not leave my office. I did not step out of my office. Three days. I didn't take a bath. I didn't brush my teeth. I was under lock and key. Three days. And in those three days, God downloaded the entire strategy for reviving academic excellence in our schools and educational institutions. He gave it to me as a name called Pray, Project Raise. When Obiese Kwesili saw that, that, that um, strategy document, she asked me in London, she said to me, how many people came together to do this? I said, two people. He said, it's impossible. I said, myself and the Holy Spirit. She said, no wonder. The next thing he did was he gave me a book that was called 17 Secrets of High Flying Students. Some of you know that book. And every time he wanted me to write, I couldn't write. I would, and he would say to me, are you sure you will not call it your book? I said, no. Lord, you know that you need my name on the book so it will sell. That was, I was joking with him. But that was what I said. And you know what he said to me? He said, the best-selling book in the, in the world has my name on it. And everybody's still buying it. Cut the long story short. God asked me, to work on it. For nine months, I was working on that book. As he told me I would write, as he spoke, I would do it. Nine months later, we used 960,000 naira to produce the first 500 copies. And the day I received 501 copies from the printer, God said to me, give out all 500. Nine months of work! And he said to me, give out all 500. So I started giving out, giving it out, giving it out. Because he said so, I didn't sell one copy. And, and at the end, I, I, I decided, well, since there were just two copies left, I kept one in the house and one in the office. I, and, and I just thought, well, we're giving it all out. So I went for an, a meeting in Intercontinental Bank. 
And when I got there, this was me doing my consulting work, doing customer service strategy for them. The lady who was in charge of customer service strategy said, please, I heard that you have a book that one of my colleagues got that has changed the life of her son and, her, and his results. Please, can I have one? And I said to her, I'm sorry. I made only 500 copies and God said to me to give it all out and I have given it all out. And I heard God say to me, there is one left. And the lady said, is there not even one left? <laughs> so, I, so I said, actually, um, they produced 501 copies and, and I have given out 499. I'll give you the last one. So I called the office and they brought the book to me in Intercontinental Bank whilst we were having the meeting. The lady said to me, oh my God. You know, this is what we should be giving out to our children. Not this one that we'll be giving them umbrella in the time of Hamatan. Those were her exact words. She said, how much is it going for? I didn't have a price. I had not sold any. But what I know is that I produced 500 with about 960,000 naira. So I thought about 2,000 naira to produce. Put a little margin. So I said 2,500 naira. Because that's what I heard in my spirit. She said only, <laughs> I should have said more. But that was what I heard. She said, can I have 5,000 copies? And if you can send us the invoice today, we'll pay into your account today. So the first order that I got for that 17 siblings was for 12.5 million naira. Before we could print that, we were still looking for somewhere to print 5,000 copies. Thinking, where, where can we save you know, maybe print up, you know, in Singapore or somewhere that can do it and bring the cost low. One governor called us from one state. And when the guy called me, he said to me, do I know you? In front of all his cabinet ministers, I said, we've never met before. He said, are you from this state? I said, no, sir, I'm not from this state. He said, so I just wanted everybody to know that truly this has nothing to do with me knowing you. He said, my daughter got your book. I don't know how she got it. But I believe that it was given to her by my ADC. Now, what we had done was I sent a copy to all 36 states governors by DHL. I didn't follow up. So the ADC saw the book, gave the book to the governor's daughter. The governor's daughter goes to the governor and says, Daddy, I can never fail again. He says, why? He says, the book you gave me. Okay. Can you give it to your sister? So she gives it to her sister. Three days later, the sister comes and says, Daddy, you don't ever have to worry about me again. I say, what happened? Say the book that you said that they should give to me. And the guy says, come. He waits until the end of term. And guess what happens? The daughters that always came close to the middle to the end of the class. The first daughter came third. The second daughter came fourth in class that year. He said, if there is truly a book that can turn around the lives of children like this, he said, every child in my state deserves it. So they placed an order for 48,150 copies and bought it for 125 million naira. On the day they bought that book, the naira to dollar was 125 naira to one dollar. That was the first time in my life that I made one million dollars. Because I took what God spoke to me and by faith I wrote it. And when I wrote it, I worked on it. Did as excellently any book that you can ever have seen. And then when God, we, promote, we produced 500 copies, God said, give it all out. And I gave it all out. Even when I thought mistakenly that I had given it all out, but I hadn't, 
God reminded me that I hadn't honored his word yet. And I honored his word. I don't know whether there's somebody here who understands. And just to quickly finish that story. Do you know that that state had been number 28 in maths and number 20, 28 in English and number 23 in maths in the League of States? But for the students, the SS3, SS2 students that we, we dealt with, they came number three in maths and number, number three in English and number four in maths in the League of States for that year. That's not all. NECO wrote to that state and to the governor saying that in the history of NECO, they had never recorded such low exam malpractice as it was in that state. So the students who read that book also carried the fear of the Lord and they also did not cheat. Because God dictated the book. I didn't write the book. God dictated it. I don't know whether you are here and you understand this. But this is basically saying, hey guys, you want to be a person of influence? Simple. Be a person of faith. You want to be a person of influence? Fear the Lord. Do nothing except he tells you to do it. Honor him. Honor him. You want to be a person of influence? Simple. Do whatever he tells you to do as excellently as he can. As excellently as possible. And the last thing, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8. We're going to ask now. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So when you walk in uprightness and you pray, God is excited. And when he's excited with you, he directs the heart of kings to favor you. It's just that simple. You don't have to speak for them. Even though it's good, my son speaks for them. And it's not fake. He really does speak it. You don't have to you don't have to know anything about anything. If you can be a vessel, a vessel of faith, a vessel of worship and honor, if you can be a vessel of excellence, if you can be a vessel of prayer, God will blow your mind. How many people here want to commit to God and say, Lord, I get it. This is not about becoming famous. This is not about me becoming famous. It's not about whether people follow me and I'm a big boy. It's not about that. It's about will God be glorified? Can I be committed to the glory of God? And if you want to just do that, I want you to just stand to your feet and I'll, I don't know whether Pastor Heidi will come and just, we'll just pray together. Pastor Idris, would you please come? But if you just want to just say, Lord, I want to yield myself completely. And do it with the right intention, please, I beg of you. Do it with the right intention. Do it with the right intention. Father, I don't want to grow in faith, in influence, just because I want to be somebody that people follow. I, I, I don't want to grow in influence just because fellas has given me a testimony of how to make a million dollars. I wasn't trying to make a million dollars. Everybody that knows you, me will tell me, will tell you, I have never worked for money. So many testimonies, I can't even, I can't even tell which one to share with you. 
But if you will say to God, Lord, I want to please you. I want you to look at me every time, no matter the time of the day. And I want you to say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I want to speak to my wife in a way that when you hear my words, you are proud of me. I want to treat my wife in a way that when you look at how I'm treating her, you are, you are happy, you are pleased. You can boast about me to other people in their prayer closet. Go and see the way that he treats his wife. Go and see the way that he talks to his wife. I want people to hear me talk to my husband. And, 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 and when you hear me, Lord, when you hear the thoughts of my heart towards my husband, I want you to be pleased with me. I want you to be pleased with me at all times, Lord. This is all I want. The, f the influence is just going to come like diesel, I mean, sorry, like engine oil comes in the process of producing petrol. It's just the side. It's not the main deal. It's not the main deal. I want you to raise those hands. And say, Lord, I crave to please you. Lord, I want to please you above everything else. And if you would only speak a word to my soul, Lord, I believe that my faith will come with your word. But Lord, I say I will not do anything to please man. I will not even do anything to please myself. Harris will tell you, how several times I have never been able to buy an item of clothing except God tells me to. Every time I'm going out, I would ask him, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to wear? I said it to somebody one day. I said, I have exchanged my brains for ears. Because the most important skill that man must live by is not thinking, it's hearing says for the just shall live by faith faith cometh by hearing your ears are the most important tools that you need on this work of life somebody just begin to pray I'd like us to just continue I'm going to ask Pastor uh, Fela to pray over us this afternoon but God takes clay as a master porter and it makes beautiful things out of it and I'd like you to just say Father use my life and make it beautiful to your glory use my life and I don't know where you are to where you're from how old you are what history you have behind you but there is a promise from God and God does not he does not but fulfill his promise Kala described this streams of grace there's influence manifesting around within in places where you thought places where you did not even there are tables where you could not even have conceived i said it last week that god is skipping generations and calling people before their chronological order and i like us to just in that minute surrender everything to it doesn't matter how much history you might even have with god or not it's a beautiful time of prayer to concentrate everything that has to do with you to go to cast crowns and say, Father, I stand in your presence and let it be all of you. Let 
do with this life, the same life that you crafted and designed before I even was a thought in my mother's, my parents, do with this life the what you want to do. Ah, Father, be the lawmaker, be the lawgiver in my life, be the one who describes boundaries, who prescribes direction. It's a time of consecration. It's a time of prayer. I'd like you to please take the next 30 seconds and just consecrate everything that you are, everything that you are, everything that you hope for, your wishes, your dreams, your beliefs, your fears, everything in the presence of God. The blood of Jesus was shared for a moment like this. Our Father, we thank we're just going to do a, a confession statement and I have five quick statements I want you to confess but listen to them first the first is I will make a positive impact on everyone I meet and everywhere I go in other words everybody that meets me everywhere that I go I will leave the place better than before I arrived this is the covenant I want you to make with God today I want you to make it as a covenant with God the second covenant that I want you to make with God is that I will be a solution provider and never a part of the problem to be solved in the way I will drive in the things I will do I will never throw a piece of paper on the floor for others to go and sweep. I will never use the toilet and not flush so that somebody else can flush it. I will be a solution provider. I will never go and block another place so that they can quickly allow me to go. Because I will, I will never do it. Because it will not bring you praise. It will not bring you glory. But every time there's a problem like that boy that we saw in, in the video, Lord, Help me to have the courage not to run away from problems, but to come to problems knowing fully well that I am a solution that you sent to the earth. The third thing I want you to confess is that I will be the, my best in all that I do, particularly the things that I am naturally gifted and good at. The fourth thing I want you to to confess and say, God, this is my covenant with you, is I will care and show respect to all, regardless of status, regardless of age, through my words and my actions. The fifth thing, this is the final one, is that I will live a life of integrity and honor. I will not take anything that I don't want people to know I took. I will not give anything that I don't want people to discover I gave. I will not say anything that I don't want somebody to hear that I said. Can you do that as a covenant? Can you do that? Because you remember that those are the, that's the behavior of Christ. So somebody just raise your hand up and begin to ask God for grace. Begin to ask God for grace. And say with me, Oh Lord, by your grace, I commit to you that I will make a positive impact on everyone I meet and everywhere I go. I will leave everyone and I will leave everywhere better 
than before I came. So help me God. Now just pray that for a second. Just begin to pray that first prayer. Pray it in your own way. Quickly. In Jesus name I pray. Say with me, oh God, I receive your grace to be a solution provider and never a part of the problem to be solved. This is my covenant with you. Oh God, now begin to pray that. Help me never to become the problem that others need to solve. Help me never to become the agenda on a disciplinary committee. Help me never to be the one that other people gather to say, how do we do his case? Let me be one who is invited to solve problems. One who solves problems. In Jesus' name. Number three, say with me, oh God, I receive your grace to do my best and be my best in all that I do. Particularly the things I'm naturally gifted and good at. Now just somebody begin to say it. Lord, I will not copy anybody. I will not try to succeed in a place simply because other people are succeeding there. But I will look for what it is that you have gifted and wired me to do and that I will do with all my heart and with all my might and with all my soul. I will give my best. I will do my best. I will never do anything half-heartedly. I will do things with excellence so that your name can be praised. In Jesus' precious name. Say with me, oh God, I receive your grace of compassion to care and show respect to all regardless of their age, of their position, of their status, rich and poor, young and old, male and female. I will care and show respect through my words and my actions. Somebody begin to pray that prayer. Every miracle Jesus performed, he performed on the back of compassion. On the back of compassion. And in the last thing, you'll say, Lord, I receive your grace and your spirit of truth that I will be able to live a life of integrity and honor a life that is pleasing to you a life that will make my family, my nation, and you, my God, proud. Lord, grant me this kind of life. Let my words, my thoughts, and my actions, let them be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, if you have said those things with a true heart, then I want you to please rise to your feet if you're rising. And I want you to jam those hands together for the God of grace who will cause you to become the key influencer in your generation. God bless you. Thank you so much, man of God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's keep on clapping. Let's appreciate God's gift. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.